ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to compare two albums. <laughs> now, if you've been following the podcast, you know how this goes. Uh, we're going to break it down based on our criteria, which album is better. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about Good Kid Mad City versus To Pimp a Butterfly. Both albums from Kendrick Lamar. And of course, I got the homie from Philly. Janae will be in the building. So sit back, relax. We'll drop the theme music and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, we're doing a versus podcast. Uh, This is where we take two albums from a particular artist and we compare the albums and try to come up with a definitive answer as to which album is better. Uh, Normally, this is like splitting hairs. Uh, We've done this before. If you've been following the podcast, you know, uh, just a couple months back from at the time of this recording, uh, we had the homie eclectic on and we debated low end theory versus midnight marauders, both from a tribe called quest. So if you missed that podcast, make sure that you go back and check that out after you finish listening to this one. Um, and then when we, I think the first one that I did, uh, was with this week's guest, um, the homie Janae from Philly. And, uh, we broke it down to try to determine which album was better from D'Angelo Brown Sugar versus Voodoo. And what was interesting was in that podcast, she actually mentioned the two albums that we're going to talk about today. uh, Good Kid, Mad City versus To Pimp a Butterfly. And so that got me to thinking about doing it. And that was months ago. And again, at the time of this recording, uh, Janae is from Philly and she was getting ready to see her team play in the Super Bowl. And she was extremely nervous, uh, when we did the D'Angelo podcast, uh, because I think it was a week of the Super Bowl. And of course, you know, Philly went on to beat the stinking ass Patriots, but that's another story for another day. So anyway, this is where we actually started conversation. We started conversation, just talking football briefly And then we jump right into it. And um, like I said, take a listen and let us know what you think. That's good, man. I know your your dad saw your dad on Instagram. He at that parade. Oh my gosh, he looked like he was just having the time of his life. And I can imagine because you know being an Eagles fan all of his life, he's seen some hard times. Yes, he he's been an Eagles fan since seventy six, seventy seven. Wow. And 
He he is more rotted out than me because he stayed the whole entire parade. Me and my cousins, we just wanted to see the buses go by because we was over there by the uh the museum. Okay. So we were at the end of the route. Wow. So the parade started at eleven in the morning. That's when they took off. Mm-hmm. We was out at the museum at like five in the morning. Ooh. They didn't get to us until one in the afternoon. So as soon as me and my cousin saw the buses go by, we was like, okay, we could go home. We could watch the speeches on YouTube. Like, (laughs) we good. But my dad and my other cousin and his family, they stayed the entire parade. My ankle is still messed up from the parade. I don't know how I tore it up. But every now and then when it start raining, my ankle start acting up. It's crazy. Mm getting old <laughs> yeah, that's yep now i'm yep. much i'm much older than you so i shouldn't i shouldn't say anything about old no, you know what I'm saying i got i got grace in my hair it's coming you know stop gotta it, embrace so it. you hadn't gotten to 30 yet i'm close to it though i'm knocking <laughs> 30 is looking me dead in my face like what up Ooh, i tell you what you wait you get Pop. 40 <laughs> I'm ready for 40. Well, no, I'm not. Let me no, 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 you're not. no, yeah. Enjoy, no, I'm not. enjoy them 20s. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you. 20, I, I could do the whole podcast on what the 20s were for me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, we got you in the building. We're talking about Kendrick Lamar's second and third albums, Good Kid, Mad City <sighs> versus To Pimp a Butterfly. We're going to determine. We've come up with the criteria. And we're going to determine based on that criteria which album was better. Uh, You're killing me, Kyle. I know, right? I know. (laughs) But before we do that, let's take it back, man. What was your first memories of Kendrick Lamar? Like, do you remember the first time you heard him? And what did you think? The first time that I remember seeing him and seeing his name and like recognizing who he was, I remember I was in my living room. And I was cleaning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I clean or whatever, I play music videos. I loved watching music videos. Okay. And I was watching MTV Jams and Look Out for Detox came on. And I remember how he started off the verse. And for whatever reason, it just made me stop what I was doing. And I sat and I watched the video. Now, mind you, I don't know who this person is. I never heard the song before. I never heard the artist before. But, like, it just caught my attention. Because how I was then, which is pretty much how I am now, I like who I like. My favorite artists are my favorite artists. I'm not really actively checking for what's new or who's new or who got the new song out. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorites are my, are my favorites, and that's who I listen to. But for whatever reason, this this song, this video just made me pause. It made me sit and I watched the video. And at the end of the video, it said Kendrick Lamar, look out for detox. And I remember being like, wow, this guy's really good. And then I just continued to clean (laughs) and going about my business. Never looked further into it. Never paid it much attention afterwards until, I don't know, maybe a year or two later. Uh, I, I was a huge Meek Mill fan mm-hmm. and I got his uh, Dream Chasers 2 mm-hmm. mixtape yes. and on that mixtape he had a song called A1 Everything featuring Kendrick Lamar and I remember everybody on Twitter kept going off about the mixtape and they kept going off about Kendrick's verse so 
I'm like, okay, everybody's talking about it. Let me just skip to this song and see what everybody's going off about. Well, I go to A1 Everything. I listen to Kendrick Lamar's verse. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I I don't know what it is about that particular verse that just made me go crazy and made me like have to look into him and dig into what he was about. But that was that was my my first memories of Kendrick Lamar and and what made me a fan. Abbreviated. I can make a longer a longer uh statement about it. I actually did on my uh YouTube channel. Okay. I did a video, a two-part video of me reacting to to Pimpa Butterfly. And in the yes. first video, I, I I explained about how I became a Kendrick Lamar fan. But so abbreviated version of it, uh I saw the I saw the lookout for detox video and his verse on A1 Everything off the Dream Chasers 2 mixtape just made me a fan forever. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. That I um I, you know, I, I remember, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I had to go back and hear that. And I remember that verse. That verse was crazy. Um, my first memories of Kendrick Lamar, um, it had to be because I did not hear, initially I did not hear Overly Dedicated, right? Mm-hmm. And so my first memories of Kendrick Lamar, uh, the first time I heard him was on uh, my man Ninth Wonder Dropped. Uh, the Wonder Years album and on the album there's a track called Enjoy Uh, it's Warren G, Murs and Kendrick Lamar and so I remember listening to the, I bought bought the album and I remember Mm -hmm. listening to it and I was like you know I knew who Warren G was, I mean who (laughs) at that time, it, it was what 2011, it had to be like like fall of 2000 September 2011 I think that's when the album came out and I'm like okay I know who Warren G is I knew who Murs was I was like okay who's this Kendrick Lamar dude and when his verse comes on uh, my nigga we out here photo cutlass and also know for your luggage don't trap you fabricate to the public we don't believe shit believe it or not call your bluff and leave your ass with not the juggernaut is in your rectum Your baby steps, son. 
I'm like, yo, this dude's kind of nice. Like, who is this? And I couldn't, I'm, I'm really good with listening to people and getting an idea of where they're from. Right. And I was like, I couldn't really, from hearing that voice, I couldn't, couldn't really tell where he was from. I, yeah. He, he didn't sound yeah. like he was from New York. <laughs> he definitely didn't sound like he's from down south. And I didn't really hear a lot of L.A. in that verse. And, you know, again, this is 2011. Yeah, we had Google, but I wasn't going to Google to try to figure it out. So I was just like, OK, Kendrick Lamar. OK, I say, OK, this dude is nice. And then I want to say a couple of weeks later, after hearing this album from Ninth Wonder, um, I had my boys from Dead End Hip Hop on my then internet show called uh, The 12 Radio Show. And I remember um, on the show, it was an internet call-in show. So I had all the cats from Dead End Hip Hop, Ken, B, FIFO, Mike, and I think Rob was on there too. And, um, And so we were on the show and there were a couple of calls. People called in and said, they were like, yo, man, what you think about uh, Section 80? And how would you compare Section 80 to, you know, overly dedicated? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm going to let Dead and Hip Hop answer this because I don't know what the hell they talk about. Right. And so Mike starts talking about Kendrick Lamar. And I'm like, and I'm still, I'm on the air, but I'm dumbfounded. I don't, I don't know who this Kendrick Lamar guy is. And I'm like, okay. So I'm right. So as Mike is talking, I just make a note to myself, go listen to Section 80. Go listen to Section 80. And so... What's weird is I had another partner, my boy D. Shout out to D. D would like send me music all the time. And D, he had sent me section 80 and I just had it in my inbox and I never listened to it. And so section 80. So I had dead in hip hop on like in September 2011. I had and I think section 80 came out like June 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so I go. So after, so maybe a couple of days later, I'm just messing around in my email, and something popped up, and it's and I went to I, that's what it was. I had a music folder, so I go to the music folder, and the first thing that I see in the music folder is Section 80, and I was like, oh shit! I was like, D sent me this music. I was like, let me listen to it. So I take the files, burn them to a CD, and I make a CD, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, yo. This dude is, he's just as dope Crazy. as he was. On the, yeah, I was like, he's just as dope on this verse. I mean, on this album as he was on that verse. And so, like, those are my first memories of Kendrick Lamar. Like, and I, I literally was sitting on his album. I had the album and in my inbox and didn't even know it. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, when D sent it to me, I think I I probably looked at it and did, was doing something else and just never got around to listening to it. But I had it for at least, like, two or three months before I actually started rocking to it but um but yeah those are my first memories of the dude and i i instantly <laughs> instantly became a fan no yeah, question well, about it what was crazy with me was that i i actually came aboard around the good kid matt city era okay so like the dream chasers uh uh two came like right came out right before good kid matt city so once I heard Good Kid, Mad City and how much I just fell in love with that album, I had to go back mm-hmm. to Section 80. And so 
it's like I got two albums in one. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. Like uh, I got this great album with Good Kid Mad City. Oh, and here's Section 80, by the way. And mm-hmm. I'm just all this new music and it's all amazing and mind blowing to me that it just I just started to stand after that point because. <laughs> that, oh, that uh, is so uh, funny. Here's the words. I can't find the words. I just played it all at work loud. Mm-hmm. My boss is hearing it. I don't care. You're going to get this message. <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. That is so funny to me. Um, So now, what do you think makes Kendrick special and unique as an MC? Because, you know, honestly, there are a lot of people that rap. Um, <laughs> Too many. But, <laughs> but everybody can't be an MC. And I think it's safe to say that Kendrick Lamar is a pretty dope MC. What do you think makes him special and unique? He don't sound like everyone else. Mm-hmm. He don't sound like everyone else. And it's almost to the point where he don't even sound like himself at some points. Mm. Like, for example, I sounds nothing like the Black of the Berry. Mm, yes. Black of the Berry sounds nothing like Money Trees. Money Trees sounds nothing like Poetic Justice. Poetic Justice sounds nothing like Rigor Mortis. Like, it's, it's, it's his versatility. You know, he could do contemporary hip hop. And then he could turn around and mix jazz fusion with the trap music. Yes. Like he could do anything and excel at it and be amazing at it. His attention to detail, like his, his obsession with it, is just amazing to me. His creativity. Like I remember remember when we was uh when we first recorded the podcast, we almost forgot to mention how he had Tupac mm-hmm. at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and you know, this poem that he had threaded throughout the whole entire album. And then at the end, he's reciting this poem to Tupac. And then Tupac is giving his rebuttal. And it sounds like they're having a full-blown conversation right. with each other. And you can hear them at five and high five with each other and laugh and whatever. And it sounds it sounds like he's really talking to him. It sounds like Tupac is still alive. Like mm-hmm. That creativity, that genius... You don't get that from everybody else. Mm. What you're getting nowadays, everybody has the Migos flow nowadays. Everybody. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Every, from from your Beyonce's to your Sierra's down to whoever. Everybody is having the Migos flow. Whereas an artist like Kendrick, he could have like a, a, a contemporary or a Migos type track, but he's not sounding like them at all. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Totally. And he could like, what makes him so special to me is that he can make the most difficult things about MCing look effortless. Mm. And I think that's why maybe some people uh, don't respect him. The, the very few that don't respect him. Maybe that's why. And and while I was thinking about it, it made me think of a point that FIFO made in mm-hmm. a podcast a couple months ago mm-hmm. where he was talking about LeBron's greatness. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had went to a, a heat game or whatever. And he said watching LeBron play, he was he was bored basically because, you know, it didn't seem like LeBron was doing anything. Mm-hmm. But then he went to go look at the stats and LeBron had like 35 points and 10 rebounds. Right. And FIFA was like, where? When did that happen? Like I was at the game. When did he do all of this mm-hmm. stuff? It was so effortless. And I think that's the same thing with Kendrick. I think he makes the the most extraordinary things about MCN just look so effortless that people tend to take it for granted and 
you know, that's that's other people and their problems. That's mm-hmm. not my problem. Right. I adore <laughs> quite frankly. But right. I think that's what makes him stand out because I can't really think of anybody else that is that gifted and can make it look so easy. No doubt. No doubt. I, I agree. He 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 really does a great job of making things look very effortlessly. Um, one of the things that stands out to me, uh, and you can kind of see it, at least I can from, from a perspective because I'm what I'm older, <laughs> if you will, in hip hop tenured is what I like to say. I'm tenured in hip hop. Yeah. There you go. Seasoned. <laughs> okay. Obey seasoning. Lawless. What's happening? There you go. <laughs> so one of the things that I remember in, you know, when I first started really, really listening to hip hop in the mid eighties, uh, especially toward the back half of the 80s was um, you tried an MC, most MCs tried their damnedest to be different and they didn't want to look like somebody else. They didn't want anybody else to sound like them. And, they, they, and that's how they approached their craft. And so that generation of MCs gave birth to you know, the next generation of MCs and MCs that, you know, guys like Kendrick grew up listening to. And so I remember I was watching an interview or something like that. And he talked about, you know, who some of his influences were from Nas to Pac to Ice Cube to, you know, Dre, so forth and so on. But when he started listing off the list of MCs that, you know, he looked up to and he kind of patterned himself after or bits and pieces of their games that he took it made more sense as to who he was because that's kind of why he looks and sounds the way that he does because he studied up under some of the greats and in his study and his application he's not necessarily like he's a huge you know disciple of Tupac but he doesn't sound or look like Tupac but right he you can tell that he takes the time to put into what he has to say and he he's very meticulous and that's something that you really don't see you saw a lot in hip-hop in the 80s and 90s you don't necessarily see it a lot now so that's what i think one of the things that sets him heads above the rest as far as his contemporaries is that he puts in the time and the effort to be thought provoking in what it is that he has to say even if it's the most mundane thing he will find a clever way to say it and the other thing that that impresses me is that he doesn't sound the same on any of his tracks <laughs> like exactly you can take these two albums and when i'll touch on it a little later too but when you listen to good kid mad city when you listen to to pimp butterfly there're no nothing two alike. nothing no two songs on any of those albums sound the same his vocal inflection on every track is different and that's very rare and that's another thing that i think he pulled from you know the nwas the tupacs the ice cubes outcast yeah outcast those people tribe you know i think and these are groups again and and acts that were influences of his and you could tell what cloth he was cut from yeah and, like if you listen to Equimini mm-hmm. you could see where Kendrick got his influences on yes. Good Kid Mad City yes like you can hear it you can definitely hear it you can definitely hear it and, and 
you know, sonically, I like, and I've always loved the way he sounded because he's not really afraid to make, uh, take chances sonically. And even though he's from Compton, he doesn't sound like your quote unquote traditional West Coast rapper. And that's no knock on West Coast rap. Uh, right. Because West Coast rap helped influence, you know, hip hop as we know it. But he doesn't say none of his music. And, and you can go all the way back to overly that you can go back to the Kendrick Lamar EP. None yes. of that stuff sounds like if you like I said, when I first heard him, he did not. If you would if I put it like this. If you had played Enjoy for me and said, okay, I got this song and all three of these rappers are from Cali, I would have listened to, you know, (laughs) to Murs. I would have listened to uh, Kendrick and I would have been like, okay, that guy right there sounds like he's from Cali. This other guy, this guy that goes on last, I would have heard Warren G as well. He sounds like he's from Cali. But this last guy, uh, uh-uh, he he doesn't sound like he's from Cali. So, I think in a nutshell, his attention to detail and the work that he puts in, um, again, it reminds me so much of the rappers that came before him. And I think that's what makes him dope is because he's taken bits and pieces of people that he studied, and he's created his own lane. And and I think it's a beautiful thing. It's it, like what we said with D'Angelo. It's like you could tell who he's influenced by, but it doesn't sound like he's biting. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you could t- you could tell who he listened to, who he came up on, who he respects, who he studied, and everything, and but it doesn't sound like he's doing an imitation or a caricature of them at all. And I think that that also speaks to why you don't necessarily see, uh, you know, Kendrick collaborating outside much of his camp you know it's not to say that he won't drop a verse here with yg or he won't drop a verse over here with this guy or that guy um but you know and i mean we saw you know the collab with he and uh and and rhapsody which i thought was dope um Mm -hmm. but that goes back to that relationship with his camp and ninth wonder his camp and the jamla camp and that goes back to that album you know what i'm saying right so that's that's since 2011 so uh yeah, that these are some of the things I think that makes him an incredible, incredible MC. And and again, for me, because I don't listen to a lot of people that are out, uh, at least from his contemporaries, to me, the ones that I do know of and the ones that I've heard um, is Kendrick. And then, in my opinion, uh, there's a pretty fall drop off after that. <laughs> yeah, out, outside of the whole TDE camp, I don't really listen to much hip-hop outside of that camp mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. i i don't so i mean i may listen to uh joey badass here and then i also think joey badass is dope don't yeah, get me dope. wrong but I, i'm not going to sit here in front like i've listened to a whole entire album and no mm-hmm. no songs and stuff like that i've seen him perform live and he's amazing mm-hmm. live i'm not even going to front like he had me hype had me wishing i knew the words <laughs> <laughs> so i could so i could be just as hype as everybody else but Outside of Kendrick and Q and J-Rock and mm. Isaiah and Absol, I don't really listen to too much hip-hop mm. outside of them. Mm. Unless it's like old school hip-hop. You don't listen to Aubrey? Okay, let me stop lying. I do listen to Aubrey. 
I do. Well, it's but, good that you do because I don't. But that's another story. I, I, I do listen. So I haven't listened to the entire Scorpion album. Uh, I only listened to about like a good five songs, and that's enough. That's enough there, for me. There you go. There you that's go. That's, that's all you me. need. That's all you need. I mean, because I I went out. I, I, this was a couple weeks ago. I was at work and it was like one of those quiet weeks at work. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot to do. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to Drake's albums again. Like I'm going to just refresh myself on his music. And what I've noticed with Drake's albums is that he has my attention for like the first five, six songs. Mm-hmm. And then like the second half, I'm just ready to go to sleep. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. And and to be honest, that's a lot of today's music. I mean, uh, the one thing I can say about Kendrick Lamar is that, you know, his music wise, at least for me, as I listen, it keeps me on my toes. And I and yeah. I find myself hearing different things and getting different things, no matter how many times I listen to it. Um, and there's a story with his album. Oh, no so question. You're in tune no with, question about like, it. Like it starts off the way it starts off. You know, it's like a, a story, a movie is about to happen. And. Mm-hmm. You're, you're riding with it from beginning, middle to end. You're anxious to see what happens next. Whereas with a lot of people, other artists, their music is just like basically a playlist. There's no there's no real cohesiveness. There's no real point. It's just a collection of songs. And here, listen to it, stream it, buy it, whatever. But where, whereas with Kendrick, his albums are literally like movies or a novel. Yeah, exactly. 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 And you, you need no more proof than you know, listening to Section 80 or Good Kid, Mad City, for that matter. Um, yeah. Speaking of Good Kid, Mad City, the album. Um, what are some of your favorite tracks and why? Every song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? Give me your three most favorite tracks. Just give me three. Three? I'm three. Gonna, yeah, okay. Because when we recorded last time, you, you named like the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three. All right. Money Trees. Okay. Backseat Freestyle, mm. Mad City, and you know the skits with his dad. Yes. Girl, I want your body. I want your body because you got that big old fatty. Uh, I thought that was so, ing- <laughs> I mean, that that was just a genius move right there to put your parents on your album. I mean, hey, first and that? foremost. Hey, he high as hell. Hey, you take <laughs> <about> them dominoes. <laughs> and I told you to bring back my motherfucking dominoes. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! But money trees, basically, basically, what I love about money trees, backseat freestyle, and Mad City, is like I said before, it's a part of a story, and it's the storytelling is why I love those songs so much. Mm, like yes. money trees, and and the way J Rock just came in and just just snatched my soul completely, and then with backseat freestyle, just the way that he was going off that whole freestyle and then mad city just the beat and yes. again the way he was going off and i have memories attached to these songs mm-hmm. because he had a concert about three years ago mm-hmm. it was king kunta group sessions and he was doing this these small theaters around the country and he came to philly okay and he did mad city he broke the building like literally <laughs> He literally broke the building. It was a blackout for like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> wow. It was crazy. It was like the first, first the mic went out. Then the lights went out. 
and all the lights went out except the one spotlight that was on Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Kendrick's just standing there figuring out like what he's going to do and whatnot. He's like, give me one moment. I'll be right back. So he goes back backstage and figure out what's going on. And the next thing you know, that spotlight went out. So now it's just like 1,500 people in the dark just jumping, stomping. We're going to be all right. <laughs> We're going to be all right. <laughs> And it, it it was so amazing. It felt like it almost felt like a spiritual. Like I felt the ancestors. It was so crazy. And then he came back, and then we just finished back to where we left off. And he was like, "It's so crazy. We didn't tore, we didn't tore the, we didn't tore it down. Philly to shut it down. Oh my goodness. Wow. So that's just why Mad City is one of my favorites because I have that memory attached to that song. But that is yeah, that is amazing. Literally broke the building. Literally broke the building. He said some of the lights from across the street had went out. Wow. Amazing. And for those of you listening, not everybody can break the building. <laughs> Kendrick broke the building. You can break records. You can break, you know, streaming sounds and all of this stuff like that. But uh, did you break the building? Did you break the building? Kendrick Lamar came to Philly and literally, and, and what's weird is that 10, 15 years from now, if you saw Kendrick Lamar on the street, you could say, you know what? I was at that show when you broke the building. And he'll know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> he might not remember the show that he did in Seattle in 2013, but he'll remember the show in Philly where he literally broke the building. Um, there was called or whatever. Okay. I can never pronounce that word. What, what did you say <laughs> the name of it was again? Trocadero? Yeah, the world famous Trocadero. Yeah. I heard yep. that. He broke it. Wow! Wow! Just come up here and break shit. <laughs> oh, <my nerves. laughs> oh man, my favorite joints on um to pimp not to pimp on Good Kid, Mad City. Uh, I gotta go. Money trees. Uh, again, like you said, J Rock was was crazy on that. Kendrick's verse, dope. Um, probably then in no particular order. I probably say Mad City. Um, definitely on the strength of the beat and MC8. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> when MC8 comes in, it just takes me back to straight up menace back in like ninety two, ninety three, uh, from the Minister Society soundtrack and just seeing yes. uh, uh, MC8 in that movie. Um, so that that's a great memory, and it's a dope, it's a dope ass song. Uh, and then probably track. Probably the third track would probably be, I'd say, Sing About Me. I'm Dying of Thirst. Um, yeah. Because of the stories that are woven in and there's a uh, a tribute back to uh, a story that was told on Section 80. So you have both of that. So if you, if you heard Section 80 and then you hear that part of the album on Good Kid, Mad City, you get it. And so um, I'd say those are probably my three favorite tracks on the album. But I mean, it, 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 the album goes so hard. <laughs> it goes so, so hard. hard, so hard. Uh, now, conversely, are there any tracks on Good Kid, Mad City that you don't like? If so, tell me why. Okay. The only song that I, I, I say that I'm not, not that I don't like it. But I don't, I don't like it, but I don't dislike it. It's on the deluxe version of the mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. And it's the Now or Never with Mary J. Blige. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really could do without that. 
Yeah, we we we, uh, we ain't count deluxe versions, but I get you. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So so as far as the regular version of the album, there's not a song that I don't like. Okay. I, um, I could not that I could do without it, but real is not one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I love I love that song, and I know the words, and I'll go and I'll sing along with it when it comes on. But it's not like a go to. Okay, gotcha. Like, if I was to go play the album, that's not the song. If I wanted to play it on a shuffle, that's not one of the songs where I will go to it first. Mm -hmm. But if it comes on, I'm not going to skip it. Like, I don't mind it. I I really, really like the song a lot, but it's not one of my favorites. And outside of that, that's really the only one that I could think of. Outside of that, the album is flawless. Okay. Um, I I feel you on that. Uh, yeah, the deluxe version, I didn't particularly care for that song. In fact, I never, to be honest, I never get to that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only track on this album that I didn't like, and I think it just it just kind of wore on me, um, was, uh, it had to be, what? <sighs> swimming pools. Swimming pools. You don't like swimming pools? <laughs> I'll put it like this. <clears throat> swimming pools got real old to me real quick and i think it's because it got played so much i mean like swimming pools were being played everywhere it was on bt it was on mtv it was you know on the radio and i think at that particular time i might have still been listening to the radio it was right before i did my major conversion over to satellite radio um but uh it's not that it's a bad song it's not a bad song at all, but I I distinctly remember going into Club Kaya, not Club Kaya. It was um, oh, what's the name of that club? Club Visions, Club Visions here in Atlanta. It was a huge club back in the day, and I was standing in Club Visions. I had my cell phone in one hand, had a Heineken in the other. I don't know why I was drinking Heineken. <laughs> but that's another story for another day. Had a Heineken okay. in the other hand, and the DJ played this song. And you know, this song is very slow. Yeah, it's not necessarily a club song that you would be playing, and people like were really trying to. Da- I mean, just trying to picture people trying to dance to this song. It's not a song that you can actually dance. You can kind of two step, I, mean, I guess. You or know. you could rub your booty up on somebody with the song playing. But that is, that's that. about kind of just like standing around. I was like, dude, why are you playing this? You know, but um, I and just, that's crazy that they're playing that song in the club. In the club, it's. Because if you think about what the song is really about. Right. <laughs> why would you play that in the club? <laughs> I think somebody had to have gone to the DJ booth and requested that one. Because I, I can't see any DJ playing that in his And I mean, like, he literally played the whole song. I was like, word, bro, you're going to play the whole song for real? You're you just trying to kill the vibe up in here. You know. Imagine um, from Waka Flocka to Swimming Pool. <laughs> Two different uh, vibes, man. But he got the crowd back because he played that, and then he played "Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe" right behind it. Okay. And, and the people went crazy. Uh, but um, but yeah, swimming pools is okay. Uh, I love swimming pools because I relate to it. Okay. I I I well, I mainly suffer from like wanting to wanting to fit in and doing things that, or thinking about doing things that I wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, peer pressure and, and wanting to fit in and wanting to be a part of the popular crowd, mm-hmm. I'll do something that's outside of my character. 
Mm, you know what I mean? The art, so the art of peer pressure. The art of the art, the art of freaking peer. Okay, Me and the homies. <laughs> I've never been violent until I'm with the homies. Until I'm with the, I don't even drink and get high until I'm with the homies. Until I'm with the homies. <laughs> I'm out here about to hit licks, stealing Nintendo. Oh my gosh! All that because I want to be so dope. with the homies. With the homies. That story was so dope, man. Thank God the cops made two rights. That's it. One lucky night with the homies. <laughs> <laughs> All the while, my mom is waiting for me to bring her van back to her. Yeah, and I'm out here robbing people. I can't. <laughs> oh, man. Now, let's move over to, to Pampa Butterfly. Uh, <laughs> three song, Your three favorite tracks and why? <laughs> okay. Gotta do three. <laughs> three. These Walls. Mm. Uh, institutionalized. Mm. All right, and I, I got to sneak in black and berry. That's 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 three songs. <laughs> <laughs> I got to sneak in black and berry, but <sighs> these walls. I just love the sound of it. I I can't say that there's like a, a deep meaning as to why I love that song. I just love the way. The, I just love groove. the. Groove. I just love the groove. It's a groove for real. Uh, institutionalized. I loved how you know he he was talking about his battle his battle of with his his newfound fame mm-hmm. and like the, the struggle of like feeling like he has to bring his friends along with him mm-hmm. and like when he was talking about bringing his uh, friends to the BET Awards mm-hmm. and you know his friends is thinking about robbing somebody's watch <laughs> or whatnot. And it was Can't take y'all I, nowhere because I know the BET awards that he's talking about. Oh wow! I know the BET awards that he's talking about. So when I'm listening to the song, I'm like, oh, that was the hip hop awards when he was at the da da da. Oh wow! So I that was just that just made me love the song. And then of course, all right and Black of the Berry, and you know the significance that that song has for our culture. Mm-hmm. That just strikes me in the feels and just tugs in my heartstring. Right. And of course, the groove, the sound, the beat, the flow, the, right. the content, the the execution, a one everything mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Oh, oh, he he he's on point. He did not disappoint with this album at all. Um, my three favorites. Oh man. Um, I would probably say Mama, Love Mama, okay. Love Mama. Uh, how much a dollar? Hathaway. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Man, listen, I, I could go on and on about Layla Hathaway. This this, this would be the Layla Hathaway podcast for, for real. Keep on. I love me some Layla Hathaway. Shout out to Layla because I know you're listening. Um, so I go mama, and then I'd probably go how much a dollar costs. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, man, that, that third one's tough to pick, man. I'd probably say... I gotta go complexion. Okay. Because Rhapsody just she she does a thing on this. I mean, Kendra, the the whole theme and the how deep the song is, because you know, when you start talking about colorism, especially in the black community, um It's deep. It's so deep and it goes back so far. And it's something that we as a people still struggle with. Uh, yeah, because if if you don't if you don't check yourself, you'll you'll end up falling into mm-hmm. it. Easily easily and it's so easy and it's 
we're, we're you know we see these messages sometimes overt sometimes subliminally uh each day and the things that we see on tv and 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 print ads and things of that nature so those are probably my favorite three but you know if i was if i was being <laughs> if i was being weird i probably could have named the whole album um you know i i don't mind naming i, the whole I know right <laughs> <laughs> so conversely are there any tracks on to pimp a butterfly that you don't like and why uh, I, I, yeah, I, and again, I don't dislike the song. Mm-hmm. I it had to grow on me though. When I first heard the uh, the original version that he originally put out, mm-hmm. I did not like it. But I said to myself, Janae, this is just a single. Mm-hmm. Once you hear the album and hear how it fits within the album, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I started listening to the song more and more, and the more and more I listened to it, the I found certain things that I liked about the song. I loved the sample. Mm-hmm. I got used to you know the voice that he used over the song. Yes. And then I started listening to what he was saying, and I loved what he was saying and what it was about. So that just made me fall in love with the song eventually. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the album, and I saw that he flipped it into a live version. Right. Right. That's like, oh, this is even better. <laughs> like, I, I like the the live version of it better, and I, I loved how he mixed it to where like he's breaking up a, a scuffle mm-hmm, or a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, after the song or before the song, I forget, but like he he sees this scuffle in in going on in the crowd as he's performing the song, and he you know deads it and squash it and talks sense back into the people. And so, there yeah, that made me love the song, but that's. It's still a song that I could do without on the out. Gotcha. Oh, that's fair. That's that's fair. That's that's a good point. Um, man, it's hard to pick one that I. There's no songs on this album that I dislike. Uh, the one I probably could do without is uh, "You Ain't Got a Lie," um, which you isn't ain't got to try so hard. Exactly, and it's it's a cool song. It's it's probably my least favorite song, but it's not a skip for me. I still listen to it. Exactly. Um, you know, it's still, and then, you know, that kind of takes it back to the, the back in the day. You know, that was a joint from Ice Cube. You ain't got to lie, kick it. And then we also, you know, that was also a saying back in the nineties. So you ain't got a lot to kick it. So it was. Um, I saw that as you know him kind of you know paying homage to again, you know, people that came before him. Uh, it's not a bad song at all. Not a bad not song. At all. Not a not a bad song at all. And and when I'm listening to the album, I still listen to it. It's not again, it's not a skip. It's probably my least favorite. Um but, but this, still a favorite. Oh, no question. This album bangs from front to back. <laughs> like from, it uh uh I, I'm so sensitive about Tapimba Butterfly. Like I'm so sensitive about the album. Like like I could take criticism from from anybody that has like something to say about my favorite artist, mm-hmm. I don't mind that. You may not like a certain song, you may not like the voice, the flow, or you know whatever. But when it comes to the pimple butterfly, I'm so sensitive. Like I'm ready to choke somebody out <laughs> if they say anything, have any type of critique over the album. I take it personal. Like <laughs> it's crazy. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, I tell you what, this is a perfect time to take a break. 
we'll take a break. We'll hear from Kendrick Lamar. And on the other side of the break, we're going to break it down. We'll make a case for which one do we think is better based on these categories. Musical content, which includes the lyricism and the flow, the production, and then three, the longevity. How does, you know, how does the album sound, uh, you know, as time has, has gone on? How, how has it grown? Has it dated itself? So you guys sit tight. Like I said, we'll hear from KDOT. And on the other side, uh, we'll be back for part two. Sit tight. We'll be back in just a second. Hearing an album like Good Kid, Mad City or Pimp a Butterfly, it's, it's a window into a world that I didn't know. You know? Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And from Compton, I could have easily came out and said, I did this, I did that. I done killed a whole bunch of niggas out in front of Just giving off fact where I'm, where I'm from. But that ain't me. I'd rather talk about my reality. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather talk yeah. about something a little bit more deeper than that. The reasons and the problem and the solutions behind it. So, so when you hear these stories in Good Kid, Mad City, when you hear these stories in To Pimp a Butterfly, it's a little bit deeper than just the music. It's cats out here really trying to do something and really trying to spark the idea of uh, positivity in the community. Let me tell my story. Let me tell other stories that's out here that's, that want to do something different but can't because you, you're in an environment where you just got to adapt. And what happens is it, it, it invites people in to get another perspective. It brings a whole another side of the world to Compton, to this backyard right here, and say, okay, these are actually people. And just like that, we are back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle, the 12 Kyle Podcast. I got my homegirl, Janae, in the building. What's up, though? And we are talking about Good Kid, Mad City versus To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, so before the break, I told you guys we were going to break it down. We were going to make a case for which one that we thought was better. Uh, So here we go. We're basing it on the musical content, the lyricism and flow, uh, the production, and the longevity. So, again, if you heard me and Janae (laughs) do uh, the D'Angelo joint, uh, I said several times, it's almost like splitting hairs. And that's what I really think it is like for these two albums because... You could go either way, but to be honest, there's a lot of people that fall on either side of the fence. Some fall on to uh, on the side of uh, Good Kid, Mad City. Others fall on the side of To Pimp a Butterfly. So when it comes to the musical content, the lyricism and the flow, again, this is Kendrick Lamar's second and third albums, respectively. Uh, Janae, which one is better, in your opinion? Good Kid, Mad City or To Pimp a Butterfly and why? The content on To Pimp a Butterfly is way better than me. <laughs> like, I, I can appreciate the content on Good Kid Mad City because, you know, everyone's had a, a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that. And the way that Dot illustrated it was genius. And I, I could relate to it to a certain degree. Like, I, I've never had a, a friend die in my arms. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I, so I grew up. I grew up very sheltered. Like, I grew up in the hood, but I pretty much stayed in my house because my parents wasn't having none of that shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I stayed in the house. But still, nonetheless, I could relate to it because I've seen, I've still seen things. But the tone of To Pimp a Butterfly just struck a nerve with me. You know, from, from songs where it's like from feeling like a failure in life 
and feeling like you let people down. You have all these people singing your praises, but even in your personal life, you, you just feel like you let the people that matter the most to you down. You feel like you failed them in some way. Mm-hmm. And then you got songs where you're just like you're checking yourself about your own hypocrisy, the anger that you feel about all the injustices going on in the world. To Pimp a Butterfly just has like a broader message to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've said before in my um, video that To Pimp a Butterfly to me was sounded like a, a Section 80, but more mature. Mm. Mm. Yes. A Section 80, but, you know, more more experienced like with, with more experienced eyes like. Kendrick's older now. He's seen a lot more. He's experienced a lot more. So that same passion, he still has that same passion and, and the same message from Section 80, but on September Butterfly, he just expounded on it a lot more and, and, and came more, came like attacked it from a more like mature perspective. And just from, I, I know we'll talk about the production later, but mm-hmm. yeah, just the content on September Butterfly is just way, way better to me. Okay. Okay. I I I can definitely appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna say the slightest of edges to Good Kid, Mad City. I think his lyricism and flow was dope on both albums. Um, I think what you're talking about is we see the growth in Kendrick Lamar, in you know, to Pimp a Butterfly. Good Kid, Mad City is a story that, you know, starts off with them, you know, it starts off with them praying. And, you know, I remember when it comes on, like I was the first time I heard it, I was like, what the hell are they doing? Like, so it's very storybook like, uh, you know, Section 80 was where there's a story and there's line being thread throughout each song and there's a connection. Conversely to Bimba Butterfly he's reciting a poem at the end of each track and it mm-hmm. all comes to the end so I get it it's I mean it's literally like splitting hair um one of the things that I loved about you know Good Kid Mad City was uh him really coming into his own uh not only as a young man but as an MC. he he was really if you will, finding his voice. Um, right. And I think that that's very important uh, as an MC and as a young man. And then on To Pimp a Butterfly, you get the polished version. You know, you get the guy who, like you said, had survivor's guilt. I mean, he made it out of Compton, but his homies didn't, you know, and he, you know, feels some kind of way about that. Um, you know, he even kind of touched on it on, um, was the joint uh it was on the extended version uh black boy fly um, yeah 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 on a good kid mad city when he talks about the fact that you know he made it out um the game made it out and uh what's my man name play for the played basketball um oh my gosh I forgot his name just that fast i know who you're talking about though oh my gosh i just forgot his name just that fast <laughs> uh, <it's on> the <laughs> i, I, I want to say andre Iguodala, but i know that's not right no um Anyway, y'all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he, he talks about, you know, his growth and, and how he moved up. And so you see a when I'm listening to it, I, I see myself through those lyrics to some degree, maybe not having experienced some of the same things that he has. Like you said, no, I've never had a homie, 
you know, get shot and killed and die in my arms. No, and God forbid that'll, <laughs> that'll never happen to me. But right. you see the growth. And so, you know, lyrically, I think he's he's so razor sharp on both albums. Again, it's like splitting hairs. I mean, um, he gives it to you every single track and he doesn't leave any stones unturned. And I think one of the things that impressed me about Good Kid, Mad City uh, was that although it may not been his, it may not have been his desire to do so, but he really set a set. He really set himself apart from everybody else that was rapping at the time. And by the time he got to to Good Kid, excuse me, by the time he got to to Bimpa Butterfly, he was like, "Look, I'm gonna show y'all. I'm way ahead of y'all. Like, I'm so far ahead of y'all." Like, you know, I think I think Kendrick's performance. Remember when he performed at the Grammys with that rock band? Yes, yes. And they was merging the songs between mm-hmm. uh, Good mm-hmm. Kid, Man City, and um, then their song or whatever, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Imagine Dragon. Ma- yeah, there you go. That performance let everybody know I am not with my peers. You're going to put me with the M's, the J's, and the the Nas's, all my peers, I'm cool. We could chill at the festival. It's all 100. It's all love. But I'm not like the rest of these niggas. Like, I am a Martian. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, I, I remember watching that performance, and everybody was just on their feet amazed. Because that was the night that Macklemore got Autumn Green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think, at, like, oh, we in the hip-hop community knew that he got robbed. But I think everybody after watching that performance that was there in attendance after watching that performance, they knew that the Grammys done effed up because he just Kendrick just showed his entire ass that oh, night. You know he did. He he re- I will never forget that. He he tore it down. Um Aaron Aflalo, that's the name of the athlete uh that I was trying to think of. Okay. Uh, from Compton. Um but yeah, I think his lyrically and his flow were just impeccable on both albums. Um, now the production, uh, which one do you think had better production? Good Kid, Mad City or To Pimp a Butterfly? Well, Kyle, <laughs> as, as you know, I'm not sure the listeners know, but as you know, I am quite the old soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love that whole G-Funk, P-Funk, mm. jazz type of sound I, I you know I grew up on it mm. you know but at the same time I'm still only 28 so I could still you know love the trap and the gangster and the contemporary sound too but to pimp a fly uh, to pimp a fly Lord <laughs> to pimp so a good. butterfly <laughs> to pimp a butterfly it, that it gives me both it gives me the best of both worlds mm-hmm. like he said in his freestyle he can mix jazz fusion with the trap music mm. And I just, I, I grew up on Parliament Funkadelic. My dad has all their albums. I grew up on jazz and watching, you know, jazz documentaries with my mom about Count Basie and Ella Fitzgerald and Duke Ellington and all that sorts of stuff. And I grew up on, um, you know, the Osley brothers and, and uh, George Clinton, like I said before. And I also grew up on Warren G and the whole G funk chronic era you know, DJ Quick, all that. So, to Pimple Butterfly just struck again. It struck nerves for me from like my, my like my childhood. 
And I can understand why other people would prefer Good Kid, Mad City as far as production wise, because it's more of today. It mm-hmm. sounds more of, you know, the kids that's growing up now. This is their sound. So this is what they relate to the most. So I can understand why they would gravitate to uh, Good Kid, Mad City more. But for me being, you know, a little bit of an old head and, <laughs> and quite the old, old head, 28 year old old head <laughs> and, Love you know, quite quite the old soul that that jazz and and that uh the way he put it together in in 2015 just was amazing to me kind of like what kind of like what quest did mm-hmm. what quest, when they did the yep. jazz music with hip-hop that's that's amazing and i think what kendrick did was just take that and elevate it and break it until today's terms mm-hmm. yes yes uh I, I agree. I think, um, and it's no knock on, you know, Good Kid, Mad City, um, because some of those tracks were incredible. Uh, you can put the instrumentals on and just ride for real. Yeah, <laughs> you could just you you and you don't even have to play Kendrick on them. Um, but for me, I think when I think when I even just think about some of the producers, you know, from Soundwave to uh, who else produced on that? Uh, Terrace Martin to, you know, Thundercat. I, and I'm not, it's not that I'm big on names or, or who produced whatever track or whatever like that, because, you know, uh, Pharrell, um, my thing is this, I think Kendrick really could have taken to pimp a butterfly and made it sonically sound like good kid, mad city. But in his growth in his rhymes, so does the sound grow as well. So if let's and I don't even know how old I know Kendrick's 30 at the time of this recording, he's 31. So I'm not sure how old he was when he wrote this stuff. But like, let's say he was let's say he did Good Kid, Mad City at 24. And then if he did uh, To Pimp a Butterfly at 28. If you're a young man in this world, you know that there's a huge difference between 24 and 28. And I don't just mean four years like that. That time frame, there's so much happens in a young man. And I can only speak from my personal experience. There's so much happened, you know, like who I was at 24 was different from who I was at 28. At 24, I was single at 28. I was married with a child. You know what I'm saying? Right. House. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's it's different and so i think to pimple butterfly is slightly better production wise because like you said i think he could have taken it an easy way but he really just said okay you know what i'm gonna really change the game i'm gonna throw these beats in here i'm gonna throw some jazz in here i'm gonna sample some of these soulful voices like layla hathaway and i'm gonna make you love it and like he did it well oh so like you, well you have all kinds of artists that take risk with their music mm-hmm. that you know where their their first album sounds where their second album sounds nothing like the the first album because they wanted to experiment they wanted to try a different sound they wanted to see different things which you're supposed to do as an artist you're supposed to you know branch out and try to do different things it's not it's not cool to be stagnant right. however you have to make it sound good too like you have to execute and the thing with Kendrick is that he did just that to Pippa Butterfly sounds exactly nothing like Good Kid Matt City mm-hmm. but it's 
the greatness, there was no drop off. I think there was just an elevation. But if somebody doesn't feel that way, you can't say it was a drop off because there was none no, at all. No, not at all. I think it was it was just him going to the next level. I, I agree with you. I think it was an elevation. I think sonically it still sounds, you know, like it's just as dope as it was that the day that it came out. And again, like you said, at the time, think about it. Kendrick Lamar kills it. He kills the game with Good Kid, Mad City. He could have played it and just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to make this album again, make it look similar, make it sound similar, and not take any risk. But he took risk given the fact that he was such a huge star where he was in hip hop. And or he could have, <laughs> he could have taken the drink route and said, I'm going to make a pop album. You know what I mean? I mean, and people would have probably flock to it but you know that ain't that ain't who he is and that's not what he's trying to to set out to do and that's not the kind of music that he's trying to create so um yeah i gotta go production wise i gotta go uh to pimp a butterfly uh slightly better than good kid mad city yeah uh, it's, it's an acquired taste because not everybody really not everybody likes jazz not everybody likes you know g-funk or p-funk mm-hmm. or funk music period not everybody likes that and to to take the chance and make an album uh, around that sound anyway mm-hmm. and and do it do it and mass masterfully mm-hmm. just he's just the shit <laughs> <laughs> and i think one of the things that i found in in when watching people debate these two albums is that those that don't like and i'm gonna say those that don't like to pimp a butterfly I think a lot of them don't like to pimp a butterfly because it doesn't look or feel or sound like good kid, mad city. Like you can't say it's whack. You might say, okay, well, I don't like the way I don't like the direction he went. I don't like how it sounds, but those are the people that wanted, you know, good kid, mad city part two. And that's right. just really wasn't what he was going to deliver. And so, and you know, if that's the way you feel, that's cool. Some of you listening may feel that way. Uh, but I think after listening to this podcast, you'll probably, uh, have a different opinion. <laughs> so lastly, uh, the longevity. Um, these albums are aging and, you know, obviously music and times are changing. Uh, which one do you think has, you know, longevity been better for Good Kid, Mad City or To Pimp a Butterfly? No, um, you know, off top, both are classics. Mm-hmm. And, and both have great longevity. But, you know, if you want to show everyone from artists, um, from, you want if you want to show, like, from your everyday artists to your everyday people, like, what, what a tour de force of a hip-hop album is, you're going to play to Pimple Butterfly. Mm, mm. Like, if you, if you want to show somebody what a perfect hip-hop album is, what, what a creative, you know, Tour de Force, basically, what what it is, you will play to Pimple Butterfly. I think uh, between Good Kid, Mad City, and and to Pimple Butterfly, they're equally going to have great longevity, but for different reasons. Um, I just feel like you know the thought and the execution behind to Pimple Butterfly. The older it gets, the more it's going to be appreciated. Mm. I think people like who are who are younger now, they may not understand it. But give it about 10 years, give it 15 years. And they, for whatever reason, they go back and revisit it. They'll understand how, you know, amazing 
and I, I can't think of a better word than amazing because, you know, <laughs> so, you know me with words. Right, right, right. <laughs> but they'll see how amazing it is. Like, like what I'm doing now when I go back and I listen to Paid in Full. Mm-hmm. Like, or if I go back and I listen to Ready to Die at 28 years old rather than when it first came out. When it first came out, I was four. So I had no business listening to that <laughs> album anyway. But, right. But say, but, you know, growing up, all I kept hearing was people saying how Ready to Die is like a hip-hop Bible. You know, Illmatic is a hip-hop Bible. And, da, 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 da. and, you know, the older I got, it's like, okay, let me go back and listen and see why these albums are held in such a high regard. I think kids nowadays, once they get older, they'll go back and they'll realize how outstanding to pimple butterfly is i think for right now good kid man city because the sound is is contemporary and mm-hmm. because the sound is so much of today they bounce to it now they gravitate to it now they relate to it better now but i think once they get older and they go back they'll see that to pimple butterfly is superior um yeah that's that's pretty much it okay okay i i, I can definitely feel where you're coming from on that um I think sonically, both of these albums are phenomenal. Uh, one thing that you mentioned, you mentioned the C word, classic. Uh, and anybody that knows me knows that I don't throw that album, excuse me, I don't throw that word around lightly, <laughs> uh, especially being tenured in hip hop. You know, I'm very protective of the word classic because everything ain't a classic. Right. Just because it's dope, it don't mean that it's a classic. Um, but I think both of these albums longevity wise will prove to be very much so modern day classics. Uh, these albums both will be able to stand the test of time and you'll be able to remember these moments in history of when they dropped and the effect that they had on people. And I always tell people like, one of the key points about an album being phenomenal or an album being a classic is when you put it down and then you pick it back up six months later without having listened to it and you hear different things in the album or different things on a song or different things that's being said and then you put it down then you pick it up again another six months later and you're hearing something totally different and it's it's those are the things that make albums last longevity wise. Uh, and those that's what makes an album like a paid in full a classic or criminal minded a classic. Those Now, those are all time classics because those were it, it was a different day and time. But when you look at even modern day classics, I think these two albums stack up right there because they changed the way albums were being made. They changed the sound the look and the feel of, you know, what hip hop was at that particular time. And I think another thing too, is that these two albums help inspire other MCs to become great like Kendrick Lamar. Um, so I think longevity wise, I think they both uh, will stand the test of time. I think, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, these albums will still be just, even if Kendrick Lamar, let's say 20 years from now, Kendrick Lamar is no longer rapping let's just say he's chilling at the crib he would be 20 years from now he'd be 51 years old right so right. he 
let's say he's not rapping anymore <laughs> at 51 uh what jay-z is but that's another, story. <laughs> that's another story i was for waiting the- for you to say it i was waiting <laughs> but that's another story for another day uh nonetheless these albums uh i think they have their place in history and i think that they are phenomenal pieces and i think no matter what side of the fence that you're on you you can't deny the greatness in these albums so i think you know that that's how it's i think that's how history will remember it i think that's up until this point i think that's how these albums are being remembered as two incredible albums um yeah because like with to pimp a butterfly i don't think it's ever going to sound dated no you know how you pick up like an old album and it's still good but you could tell it's an old album Mm -hmm. i don't think that's going to be the case with to pimp a butterfly because it already sounds like an old album. Right. Like again, with with the jazz influence and with the funk influence, and you know, mixed in with a little bit of what what the sound is today. If you were to pick it up later on, say again, like 10, 15 years from now, it's still going to sound as if the day it first came exactly. out because it's not going to sound dated which i also think adds to you know its longevity oh no question no question and you and the reason being is that if you take like let's say to pimp a butterfly you look at what he's talking about the subject matter you know whether it be from police brutality you know or things that's going on in the community or you know our issues with each other with our complexion or um you know homelessness whatever the whatever he rapped about on each track there's things that still will be relatable and thought provoking, uh, you know, 10, 15 years from now. Same goes for Good Kid, Mad There's a story there that's being told. So if you drop a a baby being born today that listens to this album 15 years from now, you know, they're going to go through the same thing. They're going to go through the same thing and they, they can re- relate and appreciate the story that's being told. So, you know, I think it's what makes you know, not only these two phenomenal albums, but, you know, they came from probably the premier MC of his era, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, now I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question before we got out of here. What did you think? And you touched on a little earlier, but what did you think the first time that you heard mortal man on, uh, on, uh, to pimp a butterfly? It freaked me out. <laughs> it freaked me out. Because, of course, the song is is, is dope itself. It, right. It's dope itself. You know, when shit hits the fan. Is you still a fan? Are you still a fan? You know, Michael Jackson gave us Billie Jean. You really think he touched some kids? <laughs> I love it. This oh. this man gave us heal the world, make it a better place. You think he touched some kids? When shit hits the fan, are you still a fan? And so that 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 you know awakened something in me because you know I've I've been a fan of quite a few problematic people. Mm-hmm. We all have, <laughs> you know, as, as we all have, you know. And I mean, and look at it, look at Tupac. <laughs> it doesn't get any more confusing than Tupac, and this was exactly, his guy. Exactly. I mean, one minute so, Pac is t- telling you about you know keep your head up, and Brenda's got a baby. Next minute, you know, you're talking about they, they call you a bitch. <laughs> that's why I fucked your bitch. You right? Fat exactly. <laughs> Right. So, you know, that that caught my attention and, you know, ignited something in me. And then, you know, towards the end of the song, he, you know, goes into his poem and then 
he asks this person, what do they think about it? And then you hear Tupac. And they're, they're having a conversation, like they're really having a back and forth type of conversation with each other. When I tell you, I got chills. Like I had to sit up, cause I was, I was laying in my bed when I was listening to it. I had to sit up and was like, oh my God. And I had to rewind it a whole bunch of times and, and listen to all the nuances of it. Like, wow. And it, you know, you, you see, oh, you already know that I'm crazy. <laughs> so I already know that I just refuse to believe that Tupac is born. I know it's been over 20 years. Right, right. I, I just, I just choose to believe that he's in Cuba. I, I, I just choose to believe it. So then when I hear this album and I hear him having this conversation with Tupac, it just further confirms my right. conspiracy. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's in Cuba chilling. <laughs> it just, it just kicks up my crazy. So, yes, yep. I know that's ridiculous on my part. I, I 100% understand it, but that's just how I feel. So the first time I heard it, it just it just blew my mind. Blew my mind. I think anybody that listens to it without knowing that Tupac was at the end of the album, um, you know, because I guess if, if you like, let's say if it comes out that day and then you hear it, or let's say you jump on Twitter or Facebook and someone mentions it, then yeah. you kind of look out for it, but like. Like, I, I, had, I had no clue because Tupac's name is not on his name is on the I don't even think his name is on the, the original track list and I remember I actually bought the CD and so I don't remember if, if it was I don't recall seeing Tupac's name so I'm listening and I'm like okay it's the end of the album the Mortal Man goes off or whatever like that and you know I'm talking and next thing I know of the interview right, at the end right. and just letting it ride. No. He chopped it up as to where they're really having a conversation. Of course it's audio, but he makes it sound as if he's literally sitting in a room. I mean like it is one of the most eerie but dope things that you'll ever hear on a hip hop record. Um, like in your mind you could see them sitting across exactly, each other. Exactly, exactly. Chopping it up. And given the fact that such a huge Tupac fan, it, it only made sense, you know, to put it there on that particular album at that particular place. So yeah, it, it was a dope, dope move by Kendrick. Um, and then it breaks apart because yes, like yes. he's done, he's done, he, done talking. So then Kendrick hits him up with like another piece of the poem or like another poem or whatnot. And then he's like, "So what you think?" And you don't hear nothing. And it's like pop, pop, and it's like pop is gone. Right. That shit just broke my heart. I wanted to cry. <laughs> I wanted to cry. I'm like, you don't know what's going on, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really, really dope. So, um, so there you have it. Uh, we have spoken. Uh, Good Kid, Bad City versus The Pimp or Butterfly. Before we get out of here, uh, Janae, you want to tell me where they can find you at? You can find me on Twitter. That's where I spend most of my uh, social media time. On Twitter, Anish Janae, A-N-N-I-C-E-J-A-N-A-E. Um, if you want to hit me up, you can do so. I don't really be talking about much. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Anish Janae, A-N-N-I-C-E-J-A-N-A-E. Um, if you want to hit me up, you can do so. I don't really be talking about much. 
you know, but you know, if you want to chop it up and, and give me your opinion on what you thought, if you think Good Kid Mad City was better, and you want to give me your opinion, I will tell you that you're wrong. Right, she, I, was, but, I was about to say, she'll tell you wrong. But. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. But you know what? You have the right to be wrong, and I won't judge you for it. So, you know. There you go. Yeah, um, you can find me. <laughs> well, you, already, you guys already know where to find me. Like I said, we, we said we had to say we've spoken. Uh, feel free to drop a comment if you agree or disagree uh, as to which one do you think is better. Um, so that's going to do it for us. So for my homegirl, Janae, I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. Five Gs. Bye. The evils of Lucy was all around me. So I went running for answers until I came home. But that didn't stop survivor's guilt. Going back and forth trying to convince myself the stripes I earned. Or maybe how A1 my foundation was. But while my loved ones was fighting a continuous war back in the city, I was entering a new one. A war that was based on apartheid and discrimination. Made me want to go back to the city and tell the homies what I learned. The word was respect. Just because you wore a different game color than mine's doesn't mean I can't respect you as a black man. Forgetting all the pain and hurt we caused each other in these streets. If I respect you, we unify and stop the enemy from killing us. But I don't know. I'm no mortal man. Maybe I'm just another nigga. Shit, and that's all I wrote. I was going to call it another nigga, but it ain't really a poem. I just felt like it's something you probably could relate to. Other than that, now that I finally got a chance to holler at you, I always wanted to ask you about a certain situation, about a metaphor, actually. Uh, you spoke on the ground. What you mean by that? What the ground represent? The ground is going to open up and swallow the evil. Right. That's how I see it. My world is born. I see, and the ground is a symbol for the poor people. Right. The poor people is going to open up this whole world and swallow up the rich people. Because the rich people are going to be so fat and, and uh, they're going to be so appetizing. You know what I'm saying? Wealthy. Appetizing. The poor are going to be so hungry. poor and hungry. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like, you know what I'm saying? It's be, they might, it might be some cannibalism out this month. <laughs> they might eat the rich. You know what I'm saying? All right, so let, let me ask you this then. Do you see yourself as... Somebody that's rich or somebody that made the best of their own opportunities. I see myself as a natural born hustler, a true hustler in every sense of the word. I took nothing. I took the opportunities. I worked at the, the most menial and degrading job and built myself up so I can get it to where I owned it. Uh, I went from having somebody manage me to me hiring the person that works my management company. Right. I changed everything. I realized my destiny in a matter of five years, you know what I'm saying, and made myself a millionaire. Right. I made I made millions for a lot of people. Now it's time to make millions for myself, you know what I'm saying? I made millions for the record companies. I made millions for these movie companies. Now I make millions for, for us. Mm. And through your different avenues of success, how would you say you managed to keep a level of sanity? By my faith in God, by my faith in the game, and by my faith in all all good things come to those that stay true. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and, and it, it was happening to me for a reason. You know what I'm saying? I was noticing shit. I was I was punching the right buttons, and it was happening. So 
It's no problem. You know, I mean, it's a problem, but I'm not finna let them know. Hmm. I'm finna go straight through. Would you consider yourself a, a fighter at heart or somebody that, <laughs> somebody that only reacts when they back is against the wall? Shit, I like to think that at every opportunity I've ever been uh, threatened with resistance, I, it's been met with resistance. And not only me, but it goes down my family tree. You know what I'm saying? It's in my veins to fight back. All right, well, how long you think it take before niggas be like, we fighting a war, I'm fighting a war, I can't win, and I want to lay it all down? In this country, a black man only have like five years we can exhibit maximum strength. And that's right now, while you a teenager, while you still strong, while you still want to lift weights, while you still want to shoot back. Because once you turn 30, it's like they take the heart and soul out of a man, out of a black man in this country. And you don't want to fight no more. And if you don't believe me, you can look around. You don't see no loudmouth 30-year-old motherfuckers. That's crazy. Because me being one of your offsprings of, of the legacy you left behind, I can truly tell you that there's nothing but turmoil going on. So I want to ask you, what you think is the future for me and my generation today? I think that niggas is tired of grabbing shit out the stores. And next time it's a riot, it's going to be like uh, bloodshed. For real. I don't think America know that. I think America think we was just playing. It's going to be some more playing, but it ain't going to be no playing. It's going to be murder. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like like Nat Turner, 1831, up mm. in this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. going gonna to happen. That's crazy, man. In my opinion, the only hope that we kind of have left is music and, and vibrations. A lot of people don't understand how important it is. You know, Sometimes I can, like, get behind a mic and I don't know what type of energy I'm going to push out or where it comes from. Trip me out sometimes. Because it's spirits. We ain't even really rapping. We just letting our dead homies tell stories for us. Man. I wanted to read one last thing to you. It's actually something a good friend had wrote describing my world. It says, the caterpillar is a prisoner to the streets that conceived it. Its only job is to eat or consume everything around it in order to protect itself from this mad city. While consuming this environment, the caterpillar begins to notice ways to survive. One thing it notices is how much the world shuns him but praises the butterfly. The butterfly represents the talent, the thoughtfulness, and the beauty within the caterpillar. But having a harsh outlook on life, the caterpillar sees the butterfly as weak and figures out a way to pimp it to its own benefits. Already surrounded by this mad city, the caterpillar goes to work on the cocoon which institutionalizes him. He can no longer see past his own thoughts. He's trapped. While trapped inside these walls, certain ideas take root, such as going home, and bringing back new concepts to this mad city. The result? Wings begin to emerge, breaking the cycle of feeling stagnant. Finally free, the butterfly sheds light on situations that the caterpillar never considered, ending an internal struggle. Although the butterfly and caterpillar are completely different, they are one and the same. What's your perspective on that?